This is an Equity Bates Media podcast. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Equity Minds. I will say this about investing. Everything you do learn is cumulative. What I learned at 20 is you Welcome to another episode of Equity Mates, a podcast that follows our journey of investing. Whether you're an absolute beginner or approaching Warren Buffett status, our aim is to help break down the barriers from beginning to dividend. My name is Bryce, and as always, I'm joined by my equity buddy, Ren. How are you going? I'm very good, Bryce. Excited for this episode. Excited for this week. Um, We have been to the ASX Investor Day. Yes. We saw some epic presentations and um, not unfortunately not everyone uh, could go this year because of COVID, but also, you know, only so many people can go in person. So we're bringing it to the Equity Mates community. That is right. This week is all about the ASX Investor Day, as Ren said. In case you missed it, the live sessions were awesome um, and they were held around the country over well, the past month. around parts of the country, unfortunately. Parts of the country, yeah. yes. We've partnered with the ASX to bring you some of the best sessions and experts from the conference. And today, we're going to be covering investing in mega trends with Kanish Chug from ETF Securities. Kanish, welcome. No, thank you for having me. So, uh, Kanish, as I said, is uh, from ETF Securities. He's the head of distribution there and uh, presented on Megatrends and the thematic ETF at the ASX Investor Day conference. So, we're going to be covering um, your presentation, which is defining megatrends, what is thematic investing, using thematic in a portfolio, and also finishing off with some examples of uh, how we can do that. Fair bit to cover off there. Yes. Yeah, fair bit. <laughs> you know what? I reckon this is uh, this is a really exciting session because people love thematic ETFs in the equity mates community and more generally. I mean, I don't need to tell you this. Yeah. You probably <laughs> say it every day, but um, yeah, I'm excited to get stuck into this one. Before we do though, we do like to start uh, with the same question for every expert we get on. Uh, can you tell us the story of your first investment? Now that I'm thinking about this, the first investment for me was actually a, a property um, oh, wow. because I saved up a lot of money and, you know, similar to yourselves, I didn't know much about investing sort of prior, um, sort of before getting into this industry. Um, and, you know, I think I, for me, you know, was working during uni, saved some money, parents helped out as well and, and was able to buy a, a sort of investment property. Um, but actual first investment fund um, would have been when I was at Fidelity um, and I, w- I worked at Fidelity prior to working at ETF Securities and actually invested in, in one of their managed funds. So sort of that sort of not in the listed space, but it's still an investment in that way. Mm. Yeah. Investing in property is your first investment. That is the young Australian's dream. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly right. Yeah. I think, uh, yeah, so it's, it's one of those things, isn't it? Sort of when you're brought up in Australia, what do you invest in? Property. Yeah. 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 Well, we're trying to change that mentality. Exactly. But, uh, yeah. yeah, it would have been good. So let's start at the top. Your presentation at the conference was all about megatrends and thematics. So what is a megatrend? Let's start there and define it. Yeah, so I think that's a key point. So the term a megatrend, it's coined by a man named John Naisbitt. He actually authored a really interesting book around megatrends back in the 1980s, um, sort of 10 disruptive megatrends at that time. It's a term that we gets loosely bandied about at the moment. But essentially, it to define a megatrend, you're wanting to have to define something that's a long-term structural trend, something that's going to transform an economy. It has to 
be in an area of high innovation, high disruption, it has to have some form of government support, has to be intertwined in some way with demographics as well. So that's that's sort of you define, okay, well, I, I know how I can, I can define now a megatrend. Um, what are some of the megatrends? That's my next question. Oh, right. okay, sorry, sorry, sorry. What are some examples? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay, so there's a lot of examples, like, depending on who you speak to. I know the University of Sydney recently did some research last year and it's on their, it's on their website and they've actually got some interesting views on what are some of the megatrends that we currently face. I've sort of broken it down into four of what I believe, and that is transformative technology. So the fact that most of the listeners will be listening to this probably on their iPhone smartphone or an iPad or some form, that's an example of the transformative technology. Um, you know, we've moved beyond just radio. We're now doing this as a podcast, for mm -hmm. example, on demand. Uh, society and lifestyle is another mega trend. So changing demographics. So think about emerging markets, there's a growing middle class. Um, we look at here in Australia, there's an aging population. There's a connectivity that we all have with social media, et cetera. So the society and lifestyle. Health and healthcare is a third mega trend. So that was a mega trend pre-COVID-19. There's always been a focus. It's had a magnifying glass probably placed in it because of COVID. And I think it will continue on. And, you know, we've seen really big innovation in the biotechnology space. So if you consider a name like Moderna, yeah. two years ago, who would have known about Moderna? Probably some experts, some real sort of people following that, that area. Now everyone knows about it. Mm. Um, and the third is climate. Um, and sort of sustainability. And that is, I think, you know, Australia's unfortunately placed in, a, in an area where we've experienced sort of the, you know, the bushfires of, of sort of 2019, 2020. And they're the sorts of things that, you know, there's a big focus on green, big focus on, it's not going to affect my kids, it's going to affect my kids' kids. And that's a mega trend in itself. And all those four, if you consider it, they're long-term structural trends. So that's sort of how we've broken it down. Yeah. Mm. It's interesting that all four of those mega trends uh, inter entwined or intersect yeah. in different ways? Yeah, definitely. And even when you think about, you know, exposures or stocks or investments in that area, they've all got overlaps. Mm. Um, so it's something that, you know, when you're thinking about it thematic, it's, it's, it's one of those things you need to be aware. You may get multiple exposures to one of those, to those four megatrends. So those, those are the big, uh, I guess, disruptive trends uh, that are going on in our society, but yes. we're investors here and we're, uh, we're an investing podcast. So then the question becomes, once you're aware of those big trends, how do you invest in them? And that, that leads to a conversation about thematic investing. So again, let's start at the top. Let's start with some definitions. Um, what do we mean when we talk about thematic investing? So to break it down, a thematic exposure essentially is giving you an exposure to some form of investment strategy and it's probably going to be linked to a mega trend. That's how we see thematic investing. So if you want exposure to a mega trend, the best way to do it is through a thematic exposure. Now, this is part and parcel with the idea of the evolution of indexing or passive is in the, or even evolution of ETFs. So if you were to ask that first investor that looked at ETFs 20 years ago in Australia when it first launched 21 years ago, they would have said, I'm only going to buy this because it gives me the market. Now, as ETFs have evolved, you've got ETFs now that give you exposure to focus on yield, focused on single countries, focused on, you know, small caps, mid caps. Now you've got thematics and it's just this evolution. So for those investors that want mega trend exposure, whether it's one, multiple, whatever it may be, thematics is the easiest way to do that. What is... Um you know, we've seen investors like Kathy Wood and and the like, you know, really starting to play in this space and build ETFs around disruption and, and yes. those sorts of things. From your point of view, you know, how big is the opportunity to invest in disruption and, and mega trends um, going forward? So Kathy Wood, you know, very famous. She's, she's the Warren Buffett of the 2020s of our time. In a lot of ways, everyone will look up to her and say, well, you're basically, you know, the investing god, goddess, <laughs> in a lot of ways. Um, and everything she touches turns to gold. We are trying to get her on the podcast, but <laughs> so far, no luck. <laughs> okay, fair enough. Um, well, I guess she, with the ARK Innovation Funds and their range, one of the reasons why I think people are considering looking at thematics, and especially as a core in their portfolio, is because of people like her. Um, and I sort of am grateful for that because it allows us to have this conversation. What I would say is the marketable opportunity, so she's come out and said in terms of um, disruptive technology, it's about 60 trillion US dollars by 2030. 
Trillion. Trillion. And, and, and you, tw- 60 trillion US dollars, not, not, not Aussie. Oh, nice. So there you go. So it's even, it's even bigger from where we sit. Um, so for a lot of reasons, there needs people need to look at thematic investing. Um, what I would say is when you're looking at thematic investing, there's probably things that you need to consider. You need to make sure that a particular theme that you're looking at is linked to one of those four mega trends that I discussed. And as I said, it could be linked to one or many, but it has to be linked to one. You want to make sure it aligns with your views and values. So if, for example, you're an avid user of Netflix, and most of us are, especially because of COVID, <laughs> um, you're more likely to say, well, why don't I invest in Netflix? You know, I, along with many millions of people, am watching Netflix. Um, if you've got a particular bent towards, I really want to look at, the, you know, sort of being sustainable, being looking at renewable technology, well, maybe battery technology could be something that you're considering. So align with your views and values. Most of people's investment portfolios should do that anyway, but that's probably something just to remind ourselves of because I think we get lost in terms of, I'm just going to buy the market or whatever it may be. Mm. The challenge is when does a trend become a mega trend? And, you know, I think about some of, you know, like we're talking on a podcast now, is the rise of podcasting, when does that become a mega trend? I, th- I think it's also taking it a step back as well. When does a, when does a trend become a mega trend or when does a trend become a fad? Yeah, 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 yeah. It, it can go Dogecoin. Dogecoin. But an example there is, so... Let me consider last year in 2020 in the US, we don't have, so a lot of the thematic exposures in Australia on the ASX at the moment are very much long-term. They represent long-term structural trends. So investors here, don't be afraid of what's available right now on the ASX. All of the thematic exposures from what I've seen are representing long-term structural trends. So that's good. But what I've seen in the US and their market, ETF market's a lot bigger. You can see um, some fad ETFs as I call them. So there was an ETF launched WFH, work from home. Um, There was a COVID ETF. Now, I don't disagree with, say, the WFH had Zoom, had Microsoft, had Salesforce, and really good names. But the theme of working from home, it may not be something that will be there in 10 years' time. It may be something there for the next two years. So really good short-term theme. COVID, I hope that it's not there in in two, three years. But again, it's not a long-term theme. So that's something there. So when you're talking about when does a trend or when does a theme become a long term, I think the two points there is government's policy or government support and it's intertwined with demographic changes. So if it doesn't have either of those, then it's short term. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So battery technology for me is an example of that. We had that product in 2017 or 2018, sorry, when we launched the fund ACDC. Hasn't done much for in terms of asset gathering for quite a while. You start to see this big shift in 2020, 2019. Government policy is looking at, you know, lowering carbon emissions. So they're now saying we want to ban petrol vehicles production. And then corporates start coming on board and saying, okay, we're going to stop mm-hmm. building petrol vehicles. We're going to shift to electric, Volkswagen, BMW, Mercedes, etc., Land Rover, Jaguar. That move starts to then have this big underlying shift in terms of investments. And we saw, you know, great returns on that particular fund year to date and for the one year, but also people started to invest in it. So that's the sort of thing. It's got government support. It's got intertwining with demographic changes. Mm -hmm. It's a long-term structural trend now. Yeah, It's not short-term. And I think for people who are thinking about this idea of megatrends, it's this isn't something that we're now like megatrends aren't new. Like the concept may be new, but if you look through history, like the rise of the automobile or like the rise of aeroplanes were all megatrends in their days, supported by governments, supported by demographic change. Yeah, exactly right. That's the thing. I think what you do see here is none of these revolutions is new. It's just for us, it's this this new revolution that, that's, that's, a, that's occurring at the moment. Um, so the, the Industrial Revolution 4.0 or whatever you want to call it, um, this is where we sit. And mm-hmm. the idea of technological adoption is also rapidly increasing. So technology in itself is evolving quite quickly, um, you know, from when the first automobile to now where we sit in terms of the electric vehicle and even autonomous vehicles. But in terms of adoption, we're very quick to learn. Um, we're very quick to adopt these things and then evolve them even further. So that tends to, to lend itself towards, okay, well, these megatrends are going to be here to stay. Mm. Now, one one thing that's great about these thematic ETFs that have really, you know, they're, they're relatively new in this the world of investing. Um, 
at, at least I think they are. <laughs> Maybe I just wasn't aware of them. Um, but when you have a strong conviction on an industry, like let's say electric vehicles or something, but you don't have any idea about who's going to win in a particular industry, you can take a, an industry level view rather than a company specific level view. Yeah. And that's, I guess, from an ETF standpoint, you know, for what we are trying to do at ETF Securities is give people the tools to take, trade their conviction, trade their view. You know, we're not saying you should buy battery technology and that is your theme. We're saying we believe it is a long-term structural thematic and it's worthwhile considering, but it gives people the opportunity to say, well, if I want that, I've got an opportunity to invest in it. And to your point, really hard to pick the winners and losers. So I want to take it to an example where if you looked at the performance of CSL, one of the largest companies here in Australia, has had some up and down performance. And as a single stock, there's volatility that's inherent within that. And as an investor, do I want to be exposed completely to that volatility? Probably not. Do I want to be exposed to the theme of biotechnology? Well, I I think biotechnology is going to go somewhere. So let me buy a basket of stocks in that area. I don't know who's going to win, who's going to lose, but I've got exposure to the theme. So we sometimes say, don't invest in the winner or loser, invest in the theme. And if you're wanting to overweight your view on that theme, well then yes, do your research, buy that particular stock that you think this is really going to win out of them, uh, out of that that basket or whatever it may be. But that's how we see it. Um, it's This will sit as a core in that view. And then if people want to go over that view with a single stock, great. Just on thematic ETFs, one of the challenges that a lot of our audience face is the concept of the ETF being true to label. Uh, It's very easy for providers to come out and say, you know, this is a climate change ETF or a or a cybersecurity ETF, but then you open the, the lid and have a look at what's inside and you're following the S&P 500, for example. Yeah. How, how do you think about that? And as a beginner investor, how should we nav- navigate that? So, okay, really quick way to do it. Um, most of the ETF providers will have their fund holdings on their website, download them and take a quick glance. And if you can pick out the theme from the stocks, well, then you know it's getting close to where it needs to be. That's a really good quick quick way to do it. If you need to, and I, I do suggest this, look beyond that. You know, read the documentation that's available. So read the index, you know, understand what is the index that and how is that index created? Because the idea of you mentioned the S&P 500. So a lot of investors will say, oh, do you know what? I've got exposure to the, you know, the, the mega cap, you know, I've got exposure to say some of the FANG names, for example. Um, and that gives me exposure to some of these transformative technology and society and lifestyle. So I've got exposure to a mega trend because I invest in the S and P 500 or invest in the NASDAQ 100. And you say, yep, fair point. You probably do, but how much exposure? So we did some analysis. So that FANG ETF that we launched, which gives you exposure to the FANG st- stocks plus, you know, Tesla, Twitter, Baidu, et cetera, last year in March, that has a 40% overlap, stock overlap with the NASDAQ 100. So it's not complete overlap, it's only 40%. Has a 19% overlap to the S&P 500. So if you really want that particular theme or that particular view or that mega trend, well, then you're going to have to look at some of these mm, sort of thematic exposures or sector exposures in that way. You won't get it through investing in a broad index is, is probably what I would say. And that's sort of, so, you know, look at the holdings, look at the methodology on the index, understand who's behind it. Um, something that we're really conscious of is that particular point, you know, you know, I can say that, you know, even in the product development, when we've launched some of these products, and even when we're looking at some new products that we're launching right now or going to be soon, we're really conscious of does the methodology on the index represent the theme? Mm. Because we don't want to, last thing I want to do is go buy robotics and automation ETF and you invest in a company that has robots listed on their website. Mm. Yeah. And that's, they're actually not generating revenue from it. So like the Robo ETF we have has experts. They've got like this active element to it. They've got revenue scores on each of the stocks and they've got to be at a high level revenue or innovation. They've got to be working in the theme. They can't just be saying, yeah, we do a little bit of robots. Amazon is an example. Amazon used robotics in all their warehouses. They don't generate revenue from it. Yeah. So should Amazon feature in a 
you know, robotic and automation ETF. Well, you tell us. Hey, well, to, to, to me, if you're not generating revenue from a theme, you shouldn't be in a theme. Yeah, okay. I, I agree. Because we've seen plenty of examples where they'll say, you know, generate 50% of revenue or whatever it may be. But then there's ob- others that like benefit from. Yeah, yeah, Or yeah. like yeah. are thinking about or. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. That's the presentation. Yeah, yeah exactly <laughs> right. And, and that's one of the things. It's what do you, is it the true exposure for the theme? Let me play devil's advocate with this Amazon example, though. Like, what if they're not deriving any revenue from it, but they're creating like crazy supply chain robots that heaps of other people are starting to use and they're cutting their costs meaningfully. So they're increasing their profit from it. Like, surely there's a tipping point where you're like, okay, they're driving the industry. So within thematic ETFs, you're generally not investing in just the production of the theme. So, you know, we talk about robotics and automation. So you think about, the actuation or the sensing software that yeah. goes into the robots. Well, the, the product that we have actually invests in the value chain of the theme of robotics, automation, AI. It's not just the end product. Yeah, okay. So it again, it comes down to the point of opening up the bonnet, you know, lifting the lid, yeah. you know, whatever the, the catchphrase you want to use, but really understanding what's underneath the ETF mm. and understand how that index that the ETF is tracking is built. Yeah. So uh, I want to ask a little bit more about uh, thematic investing and specifically around like sector and country exposure and how you should think about that. Before Mm -hmm. we do, uh, let's take a quick break to hear from our sponsors. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. Today's episode is proudly supported by Vanguard Super. Now, as you know, here at Equity Mates, we hate fees. And after just over a year in market, Vanguard Super have lowered their fees. Their award-winning life cycle option now has one of the lowest fees on the market, more than 30% lower than industry average. With a yearly fee of just 0.56%, which bundles administration fees, investment fees, and transaction costs, that's only $280 on a balance of $50,000. Extend your investment success with Vanguard to your superannuation. Head to vanguard.com.au slash super to explore Vanguard Super. Fee comparison based on super rating smart data as at 31 on March 2024. Other fees and costs may apply. Vanguard Super PTYLTD is the trustee of Vanguard Super. Read the relevant PDS and TMD available at vanguard.com.au slash super and consider if a product is right for you before making any financial decisions. So in your ASX Investor Day presentation, you mentioned that for thematic investors, they should be sector or country agnostic. Uh, can you explain uh, what what you mean by that and how we should be thinking about, I guess, the split of, you know, like geographic split when we're thinking about thematic investing? So what I meant by that was when you're thinking about thematic investing, it's either going to be sector and or country agnostic. So, for example, when I'm looking at our ACDC ETF, it's agnostic to sector and country. So you could be a automobile company, you may feature in the portfolio. You could be a technology company, you could be in the portfolio. You could be a mining company, you could be featuring in the portfolio. You could be based in Australia. Could be a Japan. rock band. You, yeah, potentially. <laughs> Come on, mate. Come on, quiet in the peanut gallery. <laughs> With a code like that, potentially, no. But, um, but yeah, exactly. But to, to the point where that particular ETF is agnostic to country and sector. It only, well, by country, it's, it looks at developed markets. Mm. So it is constrained in that way. Um, but that's the, the two elements to it. it. It's sort of irrelevant of where the stock sits, which is good for some thematics. Yeah, it means it can be purely focused on the thematic. It can be. But then our tech product is a sector-only product. This looks at deep tech. Mm. So that's, I, I, by the way, I differentiate our FANG product as big tech and our tech product as deep tech. I did have a question on that at some point. Oh, okay, so. cool. Okay, fair <laughs> enough. Let's, yeah. do we, let's talk about it now. <laughs> yeah, well, um, so for me, big tech is mega cap. It's multi-thematic. It's across, you know, e-commerce, e-entertainment. You know, it's looking across the entire gamut of what 
the mega trend is of transformative technology and society and lifestyle. And so that's the uh, the the ETF with the tick ticker tech. No, that's a fang. That's so the big, fang so that's one. Big, that's yeah. big tech. Okay, big tech. Yeah. yeah, deep tech is pure tech sector products and or stock. Sorry, so it's deep tech. So it's the idea of it's looking at the tech sector, but it's going within that. What am I getting exposure to? You're actually getting exposure to cloud computing. You're getting exposure to cybersecurity. You're getting exposure to 5G, internet of things, big data, services, software. So you're getting exposure to those broad themes. So it's thematic in that way, but it's sector specific, but country agnostic. So that actually, a lot of us think tech names, they're only going to be US listed. And yes, majority are, you know, Australia's trying to do its part. We'll, we'll wait and see what happens there. But, you know, for there are some Australian names in there and have featured in there. So car sales has been in the portfolio, realestate.com, zero been in the portfolio, computer shares been in the portfolio. It's that's where it sits. So from that perspective, it's country agnostic, but sector specific. But what I mean when you're thinking about thematics, you don't want to just be focused on one sector and one country. That's mm -hmm. the last thing you want. You want it to be agnostic in one way. I think investing overall, we're always trying to say that, you know, talk about, steering clear of being country specific. Um, yeah, it's, or, a, it's a truly global opportunity yeah. these days. Y yes and no. I guess on that point though, if you want exposure to a country, it's okay to do that as well. It just, it has to fit into where does it fit into your portfolio? So mm. it depends on the investor type. It depends on the risk profile they want to take and what outcome. Like we've got an India equity ETF for those that want India, they can get that. Yeah. You know, for people that want US equities or Australian equities, it's okay as well, but it's got to be diversified. That should not be the only exposure you yeah, have. Yeah, that yeah. idea of diversification is really important. Yeah. Speaking of portfolio, um, we like to think about a core and satellite approach at Equity Mates. Using that sort of a framework, how do you think thematic ETFs fit into that? So what I will do there is I'll add another one, which is tilt. Jeez. Okay. okay. <laughs> Just throwing something in the water. So the idea of a core. Now, to all of us, again, traditional view of core is the ASX 200, the S&P 500, you know, the big banks or whatever it may be, you know, really traditional view of what is a core in a portfolio. What I'm finding with a lot of new investors coming into the market, especially over the past 12 to 18 months, is you can use it thematic as a core because if it aligns to your long-term view and it's a long-term structural trend, then why shouldn't it be a core? So an example of a core is the FANG ETF. Now, that particular stock ETF, sorry, gives you exposure to 10 mega cap big tech companies. So the FANG names of Facebook, Apple, Netflix, Amazon, and Google, Tesla, Twitter, Alibaba, Baidu, and Nvidia. And the other thing that's worth mentioning is it's equal weighted. Exactly right. So at each quarterly rebounds, every quarter it gets rebounds. It gets each of those 10 stocks get given a 10% allocation. And so then during the quarter, those stocks will move up or down according to their price. So for example, with Tesla having its rally in sort of late Q4 2020, we saw it being about sort of 15% of the portfolio at one stage. And then at the end of the quarter, it gets put back down to 10%. For those that have just started their investing journey, are you able to explain why it might be more advantageous to think about equal weighting versus market cap? So the idea of market cap is you invest in the biggest name and that will take the largest chunk in your portfolio. The idea of equal weight is you give everyone an equal voice to contribute. So if I'm investing in a thematic, I don't believe that the biggest company will be the winner. It could be the smallest company. It could be the mid-sized company. So for me, an equal weight approach, especially when you're looking at thematics or multi-thematic ETFs, because it's not a momentum move. You know, with, with, with market cap or that traditional view, momentum generally plays into it. You know, the bigger they are, the larger they become, it just continues to grow. But with a thematic, especially when you're looking at the FANG names, if you said, well, Apple then should be the largest company in that portfolio. Tesla has been one of the best contributors and performance in that portfolio, and it wouldn't have been had it been market cap weighted. Because it was equal weight, it had an equal opportunity to contribute into the performance of the fund. So an example there would be, you talked about the crossover, and this is why I say it's a core. The reason why it's a core is people would say, well, if I want tech, I've got the S&P 500 or I've got the NASDAQ 100 or whatever it may be. One year to the end of April, the FANG index that we tracked returned over about 61% the NASDAQ 100 returned 31.3%. So the main contributors on performance 
on that NASDAQ were some of these names, but because it's equal weight and it's concentrated, you've magnified that. Then why, why would anyone ever really do market cap weighted? Because it has a place in a portfolio depending upon your risk profile. You know, again, it comes down to where do you see this position being working for you? To those investors that, again, because it's marked, because it's equal weight and it's concentrated, it is for that particular investor that's focused on growth. You know, they will get exposure to that. You know, in the same way it's grown 60%, there may be days where it's down Mm. above what the NASDAQ 100 or the S&P 500 will be. So just that's the mindset to have. It's that idea of diversification. Because that's how uh, index funds started. Tracking the index was market cap weighted. Yeah, but like move on, boring. (laughs) (laughs) Well, the last 15 years in the US would beg to differ with you. Uh, Yeah, true. Well, the last 15 years equal weighted. Oh, yeah, that's fair. Top 26. Well, the first first index they say, or the first main index was um, the Dow Jones, Mm -hmm. the the Russell's, which was price weighted. Fair, fair. I'm more thinking uh, Jack Bogle. And, yeah, 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 exactly yeah. right, yeah. As, as indexing evolution yeah, continued, yeah, yeah, it yeah. was all market cap. And that's where, I think that's where even traditional um, financial professionals, that's where investors, that's all. We always see ETFs are market, are market cap weighted, they're passive, they're boring. You know, you, a lot of people will say if you're an ETF investor, you're asleep at the wheel. This is the headline for the show. ETF Securities uh, says ETFs are boring. (laughs) (laughs) We should get back to the core satellite and tilt though. Yes. So coming to that, so FANG to me is a core. It gives you exposure in that way. A satellite is a traditional view. And that's how we see a lot of people using thematic ETFs, especially in the financial professional space. So what they say is my core is my core building blocks, your market um, cap indexes, et cetera. And I'm going to tilt the portfolio, I'm going to, sorry, I'm going to have satellite exposure by taking 5, 10, 15% of my equity sleeve into a thematic. And again, core and satellite are long-term views. I'm not going to be sitting and changing those, you know, positions in those portfolios every month, every two months. It's going to be a long-term view on a particular theme. So that's where we see. So an example on satellites are things like Robo, which is a product that looks at robotics and automation and artificial intelligence. We spoke about it earlier a little bit. This particular ETF has, you could call it active indexing because it's a passive product. It tracks an index, but to create that index, it's got active elements to it. You know, there's a research team. There's actually a team of strategic advisors that sit behind that index. And one of them created Amazon Robotics or what is now Amazon Robotics. So these guys are actively doing a lot of work to identify, you know. And so he didn't put Amazon in the robotic index. So it was called Kiva Systems <laughs> when he created it and Amazon bought it okay. off him. Um, but that's uh, an, air, an index where you've got a fundamental active research element to create a universe because the theme is innovating and evolving ever so. You can't just take it off a shelf and go, as we spoke about, it can't just be this particular stock has robots in its, on its website or it says that it's trying to do something, but what is it actually doing? So these guys go in, meet the companies, identify a purity score on revenue, identify an innovation score. And then once that universe is created, index rules apply and it creates an index, we track that. And we do it for a lower fee than what you'd probably get if they were doing it actively. You know, for 69 basis points or 0.69% per year, you get exposure to that. Mm. Um, so Robo to me and to a lot of investors can be seen as a satellite. Mm. Tech is our Morningstar technology ETF and that's another satellite exposure. Um, as I said, it gives you exposure to those broad you know, themes of 5G, cybersecurity, cloud computing. So to a lot of investors that don't want to go down a singular theme, taking those multi-thematic views in say the tech product could be a way to dip their toe in the water in terms of I want exposure to those areas. I believe that they're going to be something that will grow. How do I do that? I don't want to go all in. So I do it through something like that. Mm. To me, a tilt is a short to medium term view. So this is where you see an investor go, I believe that the Matic is going to perform. You know, maybe they've seen some news, maybe whatever it is. It's a, you know, a one year, six month, one and a half year view that it's going to give some performance. And generally a tilt is designed to give you a performance kicker in your portfolio, your alpha. So this is where some of those ETFs you were speaking about earlier in America, like a work from home ETF or something like that could fit in. Exactly. Yeah. But what we've actually seen is say our ACDC ETF has been used by some investors as a tilt. And I would argue, I don't think it's a tilt. I think 
ACDC battery technology and electric vehicles and lithium, et cetera. That's all, it's a satellite, it's a long-term view, but to a lot of investors, this is how they ease their way into it. So it sits outside your entire portfolio and it's that additional sort of, I'm willing to take a, a bet on this to see how it goes. And if it does go well, it's going to return really well. ACDC's returned over 96% over one year. Um, so yes, it's done that, but what you will find is a lot of people then start to shift it as a satellite. So all those people that use as a tilt when they start to see government support on electric vehicles and battery technology and they've used it ever since, my gut feeling is they'll start to actually go, this is a long-term trend. It's not going away. It's not a one year or two year play. It's a five, 10 year play. This could be a satellite in my exposure. So... We've spoken a lot about some of your ETFs. I guess it would be a good opportunity to, I guess, go a little bit deeper on some of the examples. You've got the ETF uh, FANG Plus, which we've spoken about. The ticker mm -hmm. for those listening at home is ASX FANG. Um, we've made mention that it's equal weighted across 10 stocks. You've got Apple, Alphabet, Amazon, Facebook, Alibaba, NVIDIA, Netflix, Tesla, Baidu, and Twitter. Mm -hmm. Great range. Yep. Um, Before you ask your question, can I just ask, what, uh, what were your thoughts on Tencent and not including them? So this particular ETF, the index that we track, only looks at US listed stocks. Oh, okay. So Tencent's not, yeah, yeah, not listed yeah. in the US. Yeah. Get it in reason. there. <laughs> <laughs> it is tough for an Australian investor to buy Tencent. Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. It, it, it is hard. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, not, not a problem that you have to solve. <laughs> so we've spoken about the logic behind it being equal weighted, mm. giving all of those stocks uh, an equal opportunity to perform and contribute. Are you able to explain the logic behind the, I would say, extreme concentration relative to a number of other ETFs out there that give uh, tech exposure? Yeah, definitely. And, you know, I can even point out an example to our tech ETF, which is 35 names. Mm -hmm. um, you know, this ETF is only 10 names. We launched it in March last year, literally at the, the bottom of the market, the peak of the volatility, but we launched it off the back of client demand who was saying, I want exposure to just those names, the FANG names and the FANG style names. I don't want exposure to the 490 other names that I get with the S&P 500. I don't want exposure to the 90 other names that you get with the NASDAQ 100 or whatever it may be, or the MISQ or the thousands of other names. I just want exposure to that because I believe they're the ones that are going to be driving the growth in those particular indexes or driving performance. So for us, an ETF is a tool for investors. Now, I mentioned before, we are giving investors an ability to invest in these exposures, and that is what we are trying to do. So off the client demand, we felt that is a way for investors to just get those exposures. So if the equity mates community band together and get a list of stocks <laughs> that we want exposure to, are you going to make us an ETF? It we can chat. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I've been banging the table for a while now that there should be a global waste management and recycling ATF. Um, and I think there's one in the US. There's definitely I was going to say, the, 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 I suspect there would be one in the yeah. US. They've probably got like a ticker of junk or beer yeah. or something. And there's an S&P, there's like Standard Poor's have an index that tracks it, mm. but there's no Australian listed ATF that tracks that index. So... Maybe we should talk. <laughs> there's enough big companies out there. <laughs> so then um, there's the ETF's Morningstar Global Technology ETF. The ticker is TECH, T-E-C-H. Uh, we've already discussed, though, it um, is just a broader exposure to technology. And I think maybe uh, if you can explain the Morningstar um, element, because yep. I'm sure a lot of people would be familiar with Morningstar, but probably mm. don't quite know how they fit into this ETF. Yeah, so Morningstar is known very well as a research house. Um, they've got a team, they've got analysts around the world actively researching stocks and providing recommendations on those stocks. What people may not know is Morningstar produce indexes and using that research. So if you're familiar with Morningstar's moat methodology yep. and, you know, Warren Buffett talks about moat and essentially for those that don't know, moat talks about a company's competitive advantage on its peers. What Morningstar does is it rates each stock with a moat rating of either no moat, which means it doesn't have a competitive advantage on its peers for less than 10 years. What narrow moat, it's 10 to 20 years that it's got a competitive advantage. 20 years plus is wide moat. Microsoft has a wide moat. Apple has a narrow moat. Samsung has no moat. So to them, they say, you're with Apple. You're going to have the iPhone. You're going to have the, the, um, the MacBook. You're going to have all those things because you're on the operating system. You're generally going to buy the iWatch then as well or the AirTag. You're with Samsung. Well, you're not locked into the Android platform. You can buy HTC or Google. So to them, they don't see that. And so therefore, it's no moat. So what this index does is it leverages that research that Morningstar does on 
those stocks within the technology sector. So we've narrowed down that only stocks in the portfolio have narrow or wide moat. The next step that Morningside does is they actually look at the valuations. So you can say, well, tech sector is overvalued. I'd argue against that. Maybe there are some names in the tech sector that are overvalued, but on a broad level, the actual sector is not overvalued at all. But even more so, this particular index uses Morningstar's valuation screen. So only stocks that are fair value or undervalued will feature in the index. So Apple doesn't feature in the index at the moment. It has in the past, but it doesn't because Morningstar at the moment believe that it's overvalued. So for me, in a period where people are talking about this rotation of value to growth, people talk about overvaluation on the technology sector, what you will find is this particular index goes beyond just taking the tech sector. It actually applies some smarts to it and says, okay, well, it's the best valued names or undervalued names within the technology sector that have a competitive advantage. Epic. So how do you think about uh, ETF overlap with, uh, you know, we've just spoken about two tech products. I'm not actually sure what your top holdings in the Morningstar tech product are. I should have done my research. But um, like if a lot of the names overlap between the FANG uh, ETF and the tech ETF, how do you think about that? And how should, I guess, retail investors think about that? So consider the FANG ETF for a minute. Um, we assume Facebook, Google or Alphabet, um, Netflix are technology names. They're not they're actually classified as media and communication names. So they will never feature in the tech ETF. The only two names that could feature in the tech ETF is Apple and Nvidia. Already said that Apple's not in there and I need to double check, but I'm not even sure if Nvidia's in there. So at the moment, the overlap could be one name, if that. Yeah, right. Wow. Google as a media company rather than a tech company. Stitch up. Interesting. I guess we're in the It's like equity. No, no, no. We're a tech company. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I I think they say Google's a media and comms company, communications company, because it generates ad revenue. I think that's how they see it. So that's how geeks and morning stars, that's everyone classifies sectors, but yeah. Uh, And just to close out on this one, we have mentioned as well the ACDC uh, ETF, which is uh, the battery tech and lithium ETF, um, following the the lithium trend and, and the battery tech trend. Mm-hmm. Um, no doubt that that's one that we're all kind of closely watching, given what's going on with electric vehicles and co. And then there's the global robotics and automatic ETF, Robo. Automation. 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 Yeah, yeah, global robotics and automation and and artificial intelligence here, ETF. So you've got the two thematic products in that space. You know, with Robo, what I would say is when we're talking about being true to label, tech, Robo, ACDC, Fang, these these companies, these ETFs are true to label. I want exposure to robotics and automation as a theme. Well, you've got, you know, if I told you John Deere, would you go, is John Deere a robotics and automation name? It, I, I know it is because I'm fascinated by ag tech. So, okay. but yeah, I imagine a lot of people wouldn't think of that. They exactly. Just think yeah. Of tractors. Tractors. Yeah. Yeah. And but they do so much in the sensing and automotive and autonomous vehicle space that that actually is a feature in the portfolio. There's another company. Have a look on YouTube. Actually, it's called Intuitive Surgical. They produce what's called the Da Vinci machine. And each of these machines go for about $2 million a pop. Um, most of the hospitals, large hospitals in the development world will have them. They do mid-body surgeries, but the doctor can be in the other side of the room, on the other side of the world. And on YouTube, you can actually have a look and they peel a grape and they stitch a grape back up in terms of, and that's the wow. sort of thing, just with robotic arms. And so that's the sort of thing that you're actually investing in 3D printing. You know, within 3D printing, do you buy retail 3D printing or do you buy commercial 3D printing company? Mm-hmm. And that's where that expert analysis that RoboGlobal do, they've got the guys behind it. They're saying, no, it's the commercial industrial space that we need to look at. And it's 3D systems is a company that you would consider or things like that. Mm-hmm. It's fascinating. One one more question on these four ETFs. So we've talked about the ASX ticker FANG, the ASX ticker Tech, the ASX ticker ACDC and the ASX ticker Robo. I'm fascinated by ETF providers and their ability to come up with a good stock ticker, but also how how would all of these four not taken, especially Fang that was only released last year? Surely one of your competitors would have eyed that off and snapped that up before you guys. Yeah, it's it's a it's an interesting concept. Look, it's um it's something that you know as a team we get together when we're launching a new fund and we come up with a few few different um, co 
loads and we, we basically asked the ASX what's available and we were lucky that, that some of these weren't, weren't available like Come ACDC on, or Robo. Or ter- yeah. So <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's one of those things. Nice. So uh, Kanish, before we jump into our final three, we will just take a quick break to hear from our sponsors. Today's episode is proudly supported by Vanguard Super. Now, as you know, here at Equity Mates, we hate fees. And after just over a year in market, Vanguard Super have lowered their fees. Their award-winning life cycle option now has one of the lowest fees on the market, more than 30% lower than industry average. With a yearly fee of just 0.56%, which bundles administration fees, investment fees, and transaction costs, that's only $280 on a balance of $50,000. Extend your investment success with Vanguard to your superannuation. Head to vanguard.com.au slash super to explore Vanguard Super. Fee comparison based on super rating smart data as at 31 one March 2024. Other fees and costs may apply. Vanguard Super PTYLTD is the trustee of Vanguard Super. Read the relevant PDS and TMD available at vanguard.com.au slash super and consider if a product is right for you before making any financial decisions. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. This is Roundabout Season 2, and we're back to share more stories from the road and the memories made along the way. We're talking rest stops. If we're stopping to get gas, you will be timed. (laughs) (laughs) You will be (laughs) Misguided plans. I grew up in the city, so I have, like, you know, a healthy fear of real extreme darkness. (laughs) This was, like, wilderness. A lot of laughs. Y'all weird, but you, yeah, you, you were different. Like you were real different, bro. I can't really put my finger on it. And so much more. Just goes to show that unexpected yeah. things sometimes are the best when it comes to a road trip. Roundabout season two, presented by Nissan, is live now with new episodes rolling out every Thursday. Listen and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. Acast.com. So, Kanish, um, we want to thank you for taking the time today. Um, we really enjoyed your presentation at the Investor Day, and we enjoyed talking about it now. Um, some interesting ETFs that I'm sure people are madly Googling as we finish this episode. Uh, we do like to finish uh, with the same final three questions. Before we do, um, if people want to learn more about you or follow you online, um, is there anywhere in particular they should be going? They, they can go on to, to LinkedIn. Um, they can go on to onto Facebook as well. We have securities, ha- have a have a sort of a Facebook page as well as on, on Twitter as well. No TikTok? No TikTok as yet. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, we'll, we'll hold up for that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, so as I said, we do like to end with the same final three questions. Uh, the first one, do you have any books that you consider must reads? I t- I've got two young kids and between work and kids actually yeah d- don't have any books at the moment that I could probably recommend. Fair enough. Actually, well, <laughs> it might be a good time to remind people um, of the book on megatrends that you introduced at the start. Uh, what was that called again? So that is a book authored by John Naisbitt. Now, I believe he's since updated it because he launched, he published that first in the 1980s. Um, so if you search megatrends John Naisbitt, you probably will find the latest version yeah. of that particular book. Or you can read the 1980s one and see yeah, if his yeah. predict- predictions came off exactly (laughs) uh so second question in 60 seconds or less what's the best company you've ever seen actually it's interesting so um it's probably hard to pick a company what i would say is probably picking an etf is easy for me um and it's one that i personally invest in as well within um, my super it's the fang etf um because for me I don't necessarily want to invest directly into the US and sort of go through that rigmarole of um, you know doing that. I can easily just invest in one ETF that gives me exposure to those sort of fang style names. So for me, that would be one. For me, they're big tech. It's got growth potential. It's you know that is the next. They're, they're you know what I say is that the new age industrial companies. 
And then final question, if you think back to your younger self when you were, you know, first buying your house before you'd even thought about investing in the stock market, uh, what advice would you have for your younger self? So I think in that way, what I would say is I didn't invest because I didn't know enough and I didn't invest because I thought I was a bit risk averse at the time. So for me, it was just save, save, save. Mm. And I didn't want to risk that money. Um, knowing a lot more now being in the industry, having studied and doing all of that. And my parents weren't investors either. They saved and bought a property. Um, so I would say do your reading, but don't be afraid. You know, there's a lot of apps out there. There's a lot of websites, you know, the fractional investing world is very big. You know, I use some of those already and, you know, it's very easy to just get some exposure. So for me, I've actually done some for my kids and, you know, they're not even sort of four years old yet. So they've already invested in the ETF landscape through those apps and those, those, those systems. And that's what I would say is being invested for the long term rather than also trying to time the market um, is something really important. Well, to all of you in the Equity Mates community who enjoyed our discussion with Kanish today, the good news is that uh, there is another ASX Investor Day coming later in 2021, uh, sometime around November, which we again will be part of. And there will be more sessions uh, along the lines of what we've discussed today, plus many, many more. So keep your eye out for that if you did uh, miss the ones that were this year. Um, but look, Kanish, we very much appreciate you coming on and uh, sharing your words of wisdom around megatrends and thematic EDFs. I know it's something that a lot of our uh, audience are very interested in, so appreciate your time. No worries. Thank you for having me. Equitymates Investing Podcast is a product of Equitymates Media. All information in this podcast is for education and entertainment purposes only. It is not intended as a substitute for professional finance, legal, or tax advice. The hosts of Equity Mates Investing Podcast are not financial professionals and are not aware of your personal financial circumstances. Before making any financial decisions, you should read the product disclosure statement and, if necessary, consult a licensed financial professional. Do not take financial advice from a podcast. For more information, head to the disclaimer page on the Equity Mates website where you can find ASIC resources and find a registered financial professional near you. In the spirit of reconciliation, Equity Mates Media and the hosts of Equity Mates Investing Podcast acknowledge the traditional custodians of country throughout Australia and their connections to land, sea and community. We pay our respects to their elders past and present and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people today.